one mistake I see people making with loan products is that they take that money and then they use it for operational expenses. Don't do that. That's a bad idea. This is The E-Commerce Leader, a show for you, the owner of a thriving online business. In this shorter episode, we bring you our hot takes on topical and central e-commerce subjects, fresh from our expert panel, Chris Green, Jason Miles, Kyle Hamer, and myself, Michael Beasley. Let's jump in. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best Amazon stock management tool. How much has going out of stock cost you over the lifetime of your business? And what is it going to cost you this Q4? Eva predicts precisely what stock you need. It learns from your account and it improves constantly. Eva serves hundreds of private label seven-figure sellers. To get a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the call-in show for the e-commerce leader. Delighted to welcome back our friends Jason Miles, Kyle Hamer, Chris Green and myself, Michael Vizi, Transatlantic crew. And today we're going to talk about using loans and or credit. And is there even a difference, discuss, to fuel your e-commerce growth? Quite a hot topic at any given point. And it's always an interesting discussion whenever it comes up. So guys, interesting topic. Looking forward to this. Who wants to kick us off on this one? I'm going to pick on you, Carl, because you're smiling. Let's do sure. this. Let's do <laughs> this. Thing. Chicken six kicking in here. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. Loans, lines of credit, credit cards all have a purpose, I think, in your business. My hot take on all of this, and off the top, if you were to ask me, what's, what's the one thing that first comes to your mind when dealing with any sort of loan product? Loan products, credit cards, all that stuff don't fix bad fundamentals in your business. And I think that has to be, that's my hottest take on that because people use these things and get in trouble because they're, they're trying to finance growth, but they have bad fundamentals. The, the, their margins on their products aren't good enough. Their their business processes, their their plan, their, their go-to-market plan isn't thoroughly vetted and they're trying to dump money into something to then help them go to that next level. And the foundation that they're building on it still got holes and flaws. So that was my first hot take when I was thinking about this topic. I was like, we use it as a crutch. It can be a powerful tool, but it can also put you in. A, it can also be a, a weight around your business if it's not managed properly. So that's my hot take out of the gate on on the topic. Well, I'm happy to jump on on that because I, I think it's very common for people to think that they need to spend a lot of money or they think they need to take out a loan. They think, Hey, I want to start a business. I need X, Y, and Z. When I would make the case that arguably you don't, you don't need a lot of money to start an arbitrage business. They certainly don't need a penny to start a print on demand business. So I don't want people to go down this road of like, Oh, I can't start until I, I get this loan, right? Or I got the money on my credit card. I'm going to, I need to buy massive inventory. I need a, I need a really good computer before I start my YouTube channel and, and, a, and a fancy camera. You don't, right? You need to start. You need to, to validate. You need that minimum viable product. You need something out there to test the market. And I would make the case you can test the market if you're just starting out without, and if you need to buy some inventory, yeah, you can buy and use a credit card to buy it if you want. I think there should be a, a very big differentiation between using credit cards and using like a formal loan from a bank, which is going to have very different payment or repayment options. But for using credit cards for quick access to cash, to buy inventory, to flip on eBay uh, or flip on Amazon, do FBA, I'm all for it. As long as you kind of know what you're doing, you have a little bit of guidance, you've read a book or watched a video or two, you're in a Facebook group where you can ask questions, you can validate the profitability of your inventory instead of just sending it to Amazon because you think it might make money, thinking it might make money, and then borrowing money against that thought 
is probably a bad idea. It's not always a bad idea, right? You might turn out to be to be right, but you might be right because you got lucky. Yeah. And that's where experience comes in. So I would encourage everybody just be careful and, and just be discerning about borrowing any type of money. And there's a great book out there by Damon John. He's a guy on Shark Tank. A lot of people know who he is. It's called The Power of Broke. And he has story after story about how he kind of bootstrapped things and had to get creative with his entrepreneur business and get attention and, and do marketing and all these things when he didn't have money. Because it's like what necessity breeds invention or, or something. You know, when you don't have that option to say, look, I'm just going to go, you know, take 20 grand out on my credit card. Like if you don't have that option, but you still have to make the business happen, your brain will get a little bit creative and all of a sudden good things can happen. I like that. Yeah. The power of broke. That's a very cool counterintuitive title. Jason, what's your take on all this? Yeah, uh, I love the topic, and it is something to really think through. I was trying to come up with a mental metaphor to what can I like in loan products, is what I was thinking. And the thing that came to my mind was loan products are kind of like a samurai sword. You see a samurai sword, you know, one of the really super sharp one. You see somebody wield that thing. Now, my context for this is I got addicted to this um, PlayStation game called The Ghost of Tsushima or Tsushima or something like that last year during COVID. And I played that game relentlessly for like a year. And so this is my context for Samurai Swords. It's all fictitious. But, but anyway, I think loans are kind of like Samurai Swords. You see a Samurai Sword in the hand of a master, dude, they just, they just use it like nobody's business. And it just is amazing. But it's like, you know, in the hand of an incompetent person, you're going to cut something off that you shouldn't cut off, or you're going to wound yourself mortally, or something like that. And I think that's kind of the metaphor that makes sense to me. They are, they are like a razor blade or like a samurai sword. You do not wield them casually and incompetently without track end, but you can use them for dynamic purposes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like that very much. That, that ties in with the old... Um wish that poor dad thing doesn't it this is michael obviously with the british accent easier to hear if you're just listening on audio a couple of things i totally agree with you kyle that trying to use uh, a loan to fix a broken business is just going to increase the problem it just pushes it down the line rather like you know broken governments i'm not going to name any governments near me hello british government but you know borrowing just pushes it down to the next generation but it doesn't solve the problem the other point of that related to that very similar is use it only for proven profitable products so if you're launching a new product i think that has to be on equity capital and you know if you haven't got a, a slightly you know broader view is to chris's point for retail arb or, or um, merch by amazon or related type print on demand type products you probably don't need to make a, a loan because the capital requirement may be lower in which case if you don't have much money let's flip it on its head and say don't try and do a big private label launch if you've only got five thousand in equity and you need to borrow twenty thousand dollars pounds euros whatever i would suggest don't do that 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 is actually increasing the risk in an unnecessary way because the business model needs to fit your capital as well so that's the, the main thing that's trying to 100 100 and like one, one mistake i see people making with loan products is that they start they take that money and then they use it for operational expenses mm-hmm. don't do that that's a bad <laughs> idea only use loan products to fund an asset an inventory is an asset an inventory of a proven product is a much better asset to Michael's point, don't risk it on something that's unproven yet. You know, use your equity growth, use your cash flow to be able to do that to test new products. So, but what they end up doing is they get that money and then they're spending it on marketing or something like that. And what what I think oftentimes people do, especially if you're a, a physical product seller, 
is that you sort of look at some of the some of the like the SaaS companies out there that can raise money by flogging a mirror at times. It seems like, but they operate on such a different business model. Like they can go raise capital, but even then, when you're raising capital as a as a software company, you got to be careful because, to Chris's point, you the money starts to flow in, and then you're like, oh, it's okay. Now we just have to go into growth mode, and they lose a little bit of that innovative edge. And mm-hmm. and I think that's really a great and valid point is that you are much more creative when you are bootstrapping your way in. But what what my point with that is that you have to compare your, the the business models that you're in too in terms of how they they can process and, and return cash on cash investing in into software with that money is producing an asset that's going to build on the business, right? Because, you know, if you have software and you have a good market match, you're going to be able to run it and, and hopefully get acquire users and customers that are going to grow the network value of that business, as opposed to just paying for operational costs, which is a f- expense that you're using in your business to cover it. And that can get dicey in my mind. Yeah, yeah but agree and disagree. Uh, I think we have to be really careful because there is a valid use case for running all of your advertising through a credit card that gives you points. So True. credit card True. is different than a structured loan product. And you have for to sure. be careful about what, you know, that that absolutes. I mean, there, there's use sure. cases for specific 100%. loan products that make mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. No, I agree. I think you can use credit cards. And that's a good distinction because I think you can use credit cards to run stuff through and you get the points for it. And as long as you're managing your cash flow effectively, you're essentially getting free free stuff. Yeah, (laughs) I was just going to say, the only only thing I'd say about that is technically a credit card used correctly is not uh, actually a debt uh, in the sense it's not interest-bearing debt. It's about to become it. If you use it badly, it will become very highly interest-bearing. But used well and paid off with the discipline, it's purely just a means to get access to points and whatever else you get. I mean, I know some Amazon sellers in the UK fly around the world based on their, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever credit card points they have. And I know Americans have many, many options when it comes to credit cards, right? Chris, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I agree with that. It can extend your terms essentially, right? So, I mean, if Mm. you have net terms with a supplier or with any of your vendors and you play it with a credit card, you can basically extend your your terms out even further. It helps your cash flow and it gives you more points. My, My thinking around this is, uh, from an Amazon seller perspective, Amazon has some in, some loan products that they like to give out to its sellers, right? With ridiculous interest rates, usually. And, but the terms are easy. You know, it's just like just hit the button, accept it, and then they start pulling the money out every single month, and it becomes easy. But it becomes a sort of a, a reinforcing flywheel of like take the money, spend the money, give it more, give more to Amazon. And I think yeah. you have to get off that. As, as don't get on that train essentially is what would be my argument unless you're unless it's for really sort of scaling up an, uh, an inventory of a proven seller and that you know you're going to get good return on that money that that's going to that return has to beat the interest rate right like yeah. you're going to be paying amazon for that money your return you better be reasonably confident in your return uh, of, of capital to, to, that it's going to beat that or it doesn't make any sense to that point, I think that, and to your point, Jason, that you need to, you know, a samurai master using a sword uses a great effect and an and amateur sort of cut bit that shouldn't be cut. <laughs> I think one of the things we're talking about with debt is it sits on one side of the balance sheet and everyone tends to operate businesses as if they're only profit and loss things and balance sheets like an incidental thing. Now, depending on your business model, that you can get away with that. But if you're dealing with very capital intensive stuff where a lot of your, the value of your business and profit and loss is wrapped up in your inventory, I really don't believe you can. There's a great book that 
that I'd like to mention. This is only for the nerds out there, but if you're really serious, book called Romancing the Balance Sheet. I do not have shares in this guy's company, but Anil Lambert. And one thing he talked about, which I thought was really important, that I'd love to throw open to you guys, is balancing the term of the debt with the term of the, the, the asset that it funds. And first of all, first point number one is like thinking in terms of there's a debt on one side of the ledger, there's an asset on the other. And to your point, if you exchange debt, which is a solid chunk of money that you owe somebody else as an asset in the bank or whoever is lending it to you, and you owe that to them, period, and you exchange that for expenses that fly out the door, that can be a risky proposition. But if, even if you exchange it for assets, if you're funding inventory, which is hopefully a short-term you know, asset that dis- you know, gets turned back into cash within a year, with a long-term loan, there's a mismatch there because you're going to own that loan in four or five years' time, but you won't have the inventory on the other side of the ledger necessarily. What are your guys' That's, thoughts about all this stuff? Everything you just said sounds genius. Yeah, that's that's cool. I love it. That sounds like a good movie too. Romancing the balance sheet. <laughs> not very as good niche. As very niche movie. <laughs> very niche. <laughs> yeah, most people will not be into that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want to give some advice to. I hope. I don't know how big a chunk of the listeners are going to be thinking about this way, but I deal a lot with people getting started. They're they're sending in their first FBA shipment. They're excited to get in the world of print on demand and. Probably a good piece of advice is if you don't have a thousand dollars, you need to just kind of stop and make a thousand dollars. Whether that's working at McDonald's or whatever it is, to be like, you know, if you haven't saved a thousand dollars, you need to be able to do that because that's going to be a useful skill down the road. Okay, so say you have a thousand dollars, now you get all excited and you're like, hey, I want to do this. I saw a private label video, I saw a, a wholesale course, I, 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 I saw this stuff. You get really excited, but it's like, oh, I got to spend five grand. I don't have five grand. I got five grand on my credit card. Oh, I got to spend twenty grand. And it's going to take three months for the product to get here, and it, it looks like a slam dunk deal. But you know what? I could probably borrow 20 grand. I would advise against that because you don't have the experience to say, look, I know everything that could possibly go wrong with buying that product and I understand the risks and it's going to make a lot of sense. And my suggestion for the alternative would be to find someone a partnership and say, look, this is a good enough deal where you think you can spend 20 grand and you're going to get a good enough return on your money. Then say, look, I am willing to share this deal with someone who already has the capital, who already has the infrastructure and can also validate the idea validate the product, validate the purchase so that you don't get yourself in trouble. And yeah, you may make less money on that deal, but you're a heck of a lot safer. And I would advise, I I can't imagine anybody I would give the advice to with no experience and a thousand dollars in the bank to go out and spend five, 10 or $20,000 on anything related to entrepreneurship. And I'm sure there are examples where I could be proven wrong, but as a general rule of thumb, I can't say, I can't imagine giving that advice, but those deals are out there. So validate them by finding someone uh, that you trust that's already been in this business and give them enough of a piece of the action that it's worth it for them to get in there because you're going to learn on the way. I would do that deal and, and make no money because you would learn so much. Mm-hmm. And the, the amount of, of kind of social equity you would get from another seller that you brought a deal to where they made 10, 15, 20 grand profit, you're going to learn and you're going to have a network and you have a partnership. There's so many upsides to practically no downsides. That would be my advice for the people starting out. 100%. Just to flip that on its head, if you take a deal to somebody with money and savvy and they say, no way, I'm investing in this, and you are about to put your own money in there, whether $1,000 is your entire net worth or whatever it is, you should pause for thought. Now, one person could just be cynical or just not believe in the product and they miss an opportunity. But if you take it to five or six and they all say no for similar reasons, you should take the hint. And that's another very, very big bonus to, to that approach, I think. Free feedback, yeah. free validation, free, free yeah. keep yourself out of trouble 
answer that you can get. And and I've yeah. been there, dude. I have imported a, a container of products from China when a friend of mine said, "Hey, why don't you like just put up a website and maybe see if you get a little, you know, pre-orders on that product before you?" I was like, "No, man, this is going to sell." No, I lost a lot of money. I got in over my head. I didn't listen. I had to learn that lesson the hard way. There's two ways to learn lessons: learn from someone else who's already made a mistake. Or learn the lesson by making the mistake yourself. Yeah, My advice would be learn as many things from other people's mistakes that you don't yeah. have to make. 100%. Jason, what are your thoughts on all this? Well, we've done it all. And I love what these, these everybody's uh, wisdom on this stuff is so good. Cinnamon and I have been in the game for a long time. So we've, we've used, I think, probably every type of loan product. Personal guarantee, credit card, working capital loan, SBA loan. We've done it all, and I, I think what I would say is just in our personal experience, I guess, what we our personal practice is, I think we've become very clear on the specific use cases for certain uh, types of, of, of loan products or guarantees or whatever, and we've just become comfortable with some things and not comfortable with others. Specifically, we just, we, we don't like to fund inventory with any type of, you know, credit or loan product. That's just not our game. We're not good at it. We don't like to do that. But what we have done is used loan products to buy companies or brands. And that's a whole different uh, kettle of fish in our mind. And so I guess I think what we've become comfortable with is sort of going big or going home and using loans for specific asset acquisition that we know what the outcome of that asset is going to be because we understand that asset. And then we have a comfort level of doing that. And we've done that now at 13. And that is the way in which we use the you know credit or loans to grow our business. We don't monkey around with spending $14 for a new toner cartridge on a credit card or just, you know, we, we just don't go small. We just only go big. And I think there's wisdom in that because we then can be more thoughtful more deliberative, more precise about what we're doing and really evaluate it so that we don't have, you know, they say the small foxes spoil the vine or whatever, the foxes spoil, spoil the vine. We don't want to get in a situation where we don't pay attention to stuff and it comes back to bite us. So anyway, that's, that's kind of how we personally approach this. That's really interesting. I mean, for me, there's, there is also some more danger sometimes in that middle ground. I think sometimes there is a danger that we're all talking about debt as if adding more debt increases risk the traditional wisdom is <clears throat> the simplistic version is more debt is more leverage or gearing depending which side of the pond you're on which increases uh, returns on the good days and, and and decreases you know increases risk i would argue though that there are some businesses that i've looked at and i'm actually encouraged to go and get loans or not go into a market or not go into a product line because being stuck halfway between the capital requirements, if you need a working capital of 100,000 euros to, to you know, expand the business in a part of a European market, like one of my clients recently, and you have 50, you're going to go broke. And that money can, you know, in the end, cash is cash. That The people who need your money when it's due, in other words, not going bankrupt, don't really care the source of cash. That's kind of your problem to sort out. And I would argue being undercapitalized is more dangerous sometimes, which is not quite the same situation, but there are situations where you have to go big or go home to your to your phrase, Jason. In that situation, you take, you, you maybe you see an opportunity and it's just not yours to take because mm -hmm. unless you want to be insanely risky with your business, you, you would be unwise to take that big a leap. Whereas somebody else would be like, I'm just financing this with my checking account balance. I'm just writing the check and putting this whole thing together with the cash on hand, no big deal. And so you, sometimes entrepreneurs can see things that they can't reach. 
Yes, like the, the the rancher to the young greenhorn said, never mistake a clear view for a short distance. You can't, sometimes you can see stuff you cannot do. And that's the curse of an entrepreneur, you know, so. That's like nice Texas wisdom. I like that. Never mistake a clear view for a short distance. Short I like distance. that. <laughs> Any final thoughts on this, guys? An interesting topic. I think we covered it. I think we gave advice for the newbies. We gave advice for the uh, the established right. sellers out there. I, I one one part of the question I'd love to get a quick roundup on you, you guys is is uh, amongst your friends and and clients, particularly in the capital intensive sort of custom products, private label types worlds. What's the reality on the ground that you see that people use loan products a great deal to fund their businesses? I'd be interested to know what you guys experience. I've got some experiences of my own. Yeah, I've seen them run the gamut uh, between Amazon loan products, between local bank products, lines of credit um, are, are pretty common. And you can you can get really good competitive rates for pretty decent sized lines of credit for your business uh, as you get more established. And then I've also seen them obviously, you know, using credit cards as a, as a means, like we mentioned before, is, is not common. And the SBA during the whole pandemic was handed out money by by the by the ton and so a lot of these businesses picked up sba loans along that really really ridiculously competitive rates as well so yeah it kind of runs the gamut i think and it, it kind of comes it kind of comes in 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 flows too i think for many businesses so they it ebbs and flows like some end up getting a loan product for a certain more of a certain period of time to do something specific like for example it's not uncommon for like if you're trying to break into, like example, like retail, and you you get a deal with Walmart, well, Walmart's going to go big. Like they might order a hundred thousand units or something to test to go into actual retail, and you're like, oh, if you're not prepared for that, you might need to go get some sort of financing to pay for your inventory that then gets it into Walmart. So there's just a there's a risk profile of that as well that to be aware of, but that's that that can happen as well. The one things that I've seen a few similar things amongst the, the mastermind mums here in, in the 10K Collective Mastermind in London. So bounce back loan, similar to SBA loan, has basically been put out with a sort of none too subtle side order of, by the way, we may never expect you to pay this back. So kind of a grant in any other name, but also specific reasons. Um, I've seen a lot of people borrow quite modest amounts of money relatively for Q4, specifically Q4 stock to, to bridge that awkward around about August, September that the cash flow spikes downwards. I've seen so people often take a loan out sometimes friends and family type things as well which has its pros and cons <laughs> but they they're all things being equal they're friendlier but of course if you mess it up the relationship's messed up which is possibly a, a reason to be careful with it again going with proven inventory yeah. right yeah totally i think my other just observation about this over t- when you need when you when you're early in your venture and uh, ventures and you feel like you need uh credit or loan product Generally, you can't get it. <laughs> you know? now, yeah. in, in today's world, the world is awash in cash and you, you can get money from anywhere almost. But in normal times, back in my day, <laughs> three years ago, if you, if you loan products, they wouldn't give them to you. But if you didn't need them, you just get bombed. You get, you get flooded with offers for all of the products in every way. And you, it's a nonstop no fest you're just like no i don't need money no i don't need that no i don't no thank you we don't do that we don't need you know and so it that's just this odd situation and the only other wisdom on this i'll just say is paul hawken in his great book growing a business said that you need to figure out your credit worthiness and your ability to get capital before you need it 
And it's a prudent thing to do to think through ahead of time. Am I going to need loan products? Am I going to need credit? Should I get my, you know, my, my credit score sorted for my business and, you know, done in Bradstreet, you know, info and all that kind of stuff plugged in so that you do have a credit worthiness that develops over, even if you don't need it. And, and I think that is, that's wise. There's wisdom in that. Yeah, I think that my final thought on that one is similar to your idea, Chris, if you try and ask a bunch of people to invest equity with you and they all refuse, there's probably a hint that you shouldn't be doing it. And equally, I think if your business is unlendable, it's probably not in very good shape. That doesn't mean because people will lend to you that you should take the loan. But I think there's a big difference. And to your point, Jason, I think that above all what banks hate, and, and they're quite right, and, and investors hate if they're on the on the ball, but they're often not is sudden need for cash because that implies you haven't seen it coming, which means you're not doing your job as the <laughs> entrepreneur, right? So the CEO. So I think either which way, seeing stuff coming and the need for cash. I think that's a broader topic there, actually. be very interesting to discuss at some point. It kind of sounds nerdy and abstract until you're running a business and then it suddenly becomes very, very real, sometimes roundabout now, actually. So I think that the whole thing of, of planning cash needs is a really you know nerdy but critical topic. But for the moment, it feels like we're, we're done with the loans thing. So thanks very much, guys, for your thoughts. If you're listening to us, then don't forget to come and join us. We've got various places you can find us now. So the e-commerce leader, call-in show, and the call-in app, C-A-L-L-I-N, only available on iPhones at the moment, but it will be on Android, I imagine, fairly soon. And the general idea of that is we're having these sort of quick interactions on the, the sort of hot takes, but we're, we're looking forward to being able to interact with you, the listeners. So come and join us there, and we'll get that ball rolling. Meanwhile, we are on all good podcast players near you for the e-commerce leader podcast which is coming out i think we're beginning coming out three times a week we got some sort of tip of the weeks shorter stuff discussions between jason and myself and then of course these uh, hot takes for the four of us as well so thank you so much for listening gents just reminds me to to say thanks for everyone's inputs great stuff loving great stuff guys yeah love it fun times thanks guys that was the e-commerce leader podcast with michael Vizi in london england and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening. Listening.